Hey everyone, it's Chris Kopp from Blackhawk Church and the Next Steps Podcast. This conversation you're about to hear today with Tiffany, Michael, and myself is about something called deconstruction. It's this wide-ranging term that talks about seasons of doubt or just struggle or disorientation in our faith that leads us to question some of the things that we maybe believed and hopefully reconstruct our lives and our faith towards something healthier and more focused on Jesus. We're going to talk about that today. It's one of my favorite conversations that we've ever had um, on on the podcast because I think it's so important and it's near and dear to to my heart and something that I've experienced. Uh, But it's a long conversation, so we're going to split it into two different episodes. So today you'll hear us talk about what deconstruction is, what are some of the things that lead to it, and we'll, we'll talk about this idea of seasons or stages of faith that we all go through. So that's what you'll hear in just a moment. And then next week, we'll release the second half of that conversation where Michael, Tiffany, and I talk about our own kind of seasons of of doubt and deconstruction, what that looked like for us to go through. And we share some maybe helpful things that helped us navigate those seasons if you are in a similar moment in your life right now. So check that out as well. Uh, But that's it. We're going to dig into the first part of this uh, conversation. So here we go. Next Steps, the midweek podcast from Blackhawk Church. My name is Chris Kopp, and with me is Tiffany Malloy, pastor of spiritual formation, and Michael Napstad, pastor of college-age ministry and young adults. What's going on, you guys? Hey, Chris. Hey, hey Chris. Good to be here. Yeah. It's been a while since we've been in the room with, I don't know, like interviewing somebody different, so this is fun. This I is a, yeah, yeah, I missed you guys. Yeah, this is my first time. And Welcome! Yeah, I've been told I have a face for podcasting. I don't know <laughs> what that means, but I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Oh, I don't think that that's a very kind friend who said that yeah, to you. Yeah, it might not be. No. <laughs> we're excited to have you here, Michael. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. It's good to be here. Well, we're recording this, um, what is it now, about 10 days after Easter, so happy belated Easter, you guys. Um, Did you guys do anything fun to celebrate uh, Easter weekend or any Easter traditions that you guys adhere to? Uh, We were a little bit boring (laughs) Easter. (laughs) We watched the, you know, worship service and we colored some eggs and then we watched Lord of the Rings for the first time. Introduced my kids to Lord of the Rings. So I'm not sure that's very Eastery, but that's what we did. Yeah, so. yeah. It's it's Easter, Easter like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah Easter tradition. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, you know, recently purchased a house. So any like weekend that I can use to do housework, it's a bit of a fixer upper. I'm going to do it. So um, after worship at Blackhawk, I just ripped out a lot of stuff in my basement. It wasn't fun, but you know, <laughs> Jesus is risen. Let's tear some drop Let's tear out, some or drop down. ceiling out. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Chris, I, I heard that you have kind of a fun tradition. Yeah, we didn't do it this year for reasons that might, um, might become obvious in just a second. But yeah, I grew up in this rural church uh, in Lodi, Wisconsin, where 
every year we would do Easter egg jousting, which is as amazing as it sounds like. <laughs> you basically hard boil, um, very key, make sure they're hard boiled, hard boil eggs, then you smash two of them together. One, one person has one egg and the other person has the other egg. And every single time, I don't know how it works, but one egg mm. smashes and gets cracked and the other one stays intact. So it's like, That's a, crazy. like a tournament and at the end, one person is left standing with their, with their egg and they get a chocolate Easter bunny and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, we didn't try it with, with our kids this year because they're, they're two and four and a half. And I think there would have been tears with whoever's, <laughs> whoever's egg would have been smashed. So we'll, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll revive that tradition in the future, but that's one that we grew up with. So. I love that. I think that I'm going to start doing that with our family. That's it's awesome. It's good. Um, well, today we're having kind of a one-off conversation related to the series that we're in right now called Greater. Uh, because one of the things that keeps coming up throughout this series, and even in the message from Easter uh, that Matt gave, is this idea of doubt or even deconstruction. And we'll talk more about what that means in just a moment. But in this series, all of the stories deal with people in the days and weeks that followed Jesus' resurrection. And still, even after some of them having seen him and that kind of thing, there's, there's doubt. There's a kind of questioning or reevaluating of their faith. Um, and we know, you guys, that that's really common today, too. And Tiffany and Michael, we've all dealt with that in our own lives to varying degrees. Um, so we want to press into that a, a bit and just have a conversation about what that looks like and um, some of the things surrounding that. Since we know that it's something that a lot of people in our church are going through um, right now, maybe you included, uh, if you're listening to this. Um, so, yeah, any any thoughts about that, you guys? Man, I have a lot of thoughts about it, and I'm just so glad that we are having this conversation. Um, And I'm sure we're going to cover a lot of different things in this podcast, but my initial thought is that, man, doubt and deconstruction, they're not only normal, but they can be really good and healthy. So, um, Mm -hmm. and what's interesting, I mean, we see this from Thomas, we see this from a lot of biblical characters people experience doubt and areas of deconstruction so often in the, it's, it's almost normalized in the Bible. And so I'm excited to have this conversation because I would love, I mean, for, for just Christians, followers of Jesus, wherever you're at on that journey to understand that it can be normal and it can be healthy, even though it can be scary. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it can be really scary. And I think when we go through things that we fear, it's so often that we want to hide and we want to step away. And so I'm glad that we're talking about this today because um, we don't want to, you know, our congregation, we don't want to have to hide. Mm. Um, we want to be able to um, to be in community with one another and talk about it. So Chris, thanks for yeah. Um, setting the stage for this today. Yeah, and let me just say right off the bat before we really dig in, because I know that this is always kind of a tension when having this conversation, um, is that our goal with the next however many minutes this lasts isn't to provide easy answers to what you might be going through. We're not trying to fix anyone's situation, um, but we do do just want you to know that we see you, uh, n- not literally because we're <laughs> doing a podcast right now, but we, yeah, as your pastors, we see you, we care about you, um, and you're not alone and you're not crazy if you find yourself in a season of doubt or, or deconstruction. Um, well, maybe to start off, for those that might not be familiar with the term deconstruction, what is it? Uh, Michael or Tiffany, can I put one of you guys on the spot to take a stab at helping us define that a little bit? 
Man, I'll take a stab at it. And Tiffany, if you want to take another stab or Chris, go ahead. So it's so interesting. I've been familiar with the the topic of deconstruction for many years, very personally, but also just w- with different friends and different people in uh, ministry. And it's one of those things, I know what it is, but it's hard to define because mm-hmm. I feel like deconstruction can look and feel different to so many people. In a way, it's subjective. But, um, you know, I was searching, what does deconstruction mean on the internet? As people do, Google is our big help uh, in a lot of ways. And there were different definitions for deconstruction in almost every search that I saw. But, you know, I started thinking about okay, what does deconstruction mean to to me and my experiences? That might be a good place to start. And I was thinking of the word deconstruction and and the root of it is construction. And maybe it's because, you know, I just purchased a house and I'm mm-hmm. doing a lot of construction. And I, I kind of approach this idea of deconstruction as you have this constructed, you know, in this metaphor, a building, but it could be this, or faith, you know, you have this constructed faith. And the idea of deconstruction is we are, we are taking it apart wall by wall, window by window, door by door, just to see, okay, what is this house? What is this faith really made of? Is it sturdy? Is it provable and whatever that means, do I trust it? Is it worth me living in? Mm. And so this, it's this idea of taking apart and dismantling with hopefully with intention. Yeah. I love what you, is it worth living in? That's really interesting. We uh, hopefully deconstruct with, yeah, we do it because it's important and it's Mm -hmm. meaningful and we want to hold on to something hopefully. So yeah, Tiffany, anything to add? Yeah. Um, no, I think that that is actually a great definition. Um, I, you know, I've been, I've been talking to different people about what it means to them, you know, and I do think for some people, um, deconstruction means that they, um, have walked away from the faith uh, I don't. I, I don't think that's the most helpful definition. But I. But I think that some people in our culture are using it in, to mean that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I do think it's really important that we are defining for this conversation what are we talking about and what are we not talking about. Um, so I do think you know as we grow, um, we build things. We start building things at the beginning when we're just getting to know Jesus. And um, we have a lot of things that are forming us. We have what maybe our leaders and teachers are teaching us. We now listen to different podcasts and um, we have different life experiences and all of those things are building us into somebody and something. And so when we begin to realize that, oops, that wall shouldn't have been there. I yep. need to tear it down. Yeah. Or, uh, oh, uh, yeah, that worked for me then. Um, but just because it worked for me doesn't mean that that it was. It's it's hardy. It's sturdy. Um, and so, uh, and I think just naturally as we grow, I, I think we just get to know the heart of God more, and um, we we kind of you know if if God is kind of this onion, like you know we 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 peel the layers back and we learn more and more about Him, and so we shift and, um, in our understanding of who he is. So, yeah, yeah. Doubt is not sin. deconstruction is not mm-hmm. a sin. It's not a walking away from the faith and it can be, can be really healthy. I love that. Um, yeah, I, I would also add that, like, I think we, we deconstruct a lot of things in life. Like mm-hmm. this isn't just a spiritual exercise or something we go through. 
Um, like I think about like we all have things from our parents or our families of origin that we once took as gospel truth. And then we get a little bit older and we start to like, uh, maybe, you know, maybe we, maybe I'm going to hold on to this, but I'm not going to hold on to that. Um, like here's an example. I think of, um, my dad in Wisconsin winters would always say, you need to turn on your car for 10 minutes and let it run so that the engine heats up and all this kind of stuff when it's really cold outside. He was in the car business. Uh, 10 minutes. 10 minutes. I know. (laughs) And like you pull up an article now and it's like that eh, most most new cars they don't need to do that there's like yeah. different like engines yeah. and oil and, and that kind of thing but I needed to deconstruct that and <laughs> yeah. dad I don't need to yeah. do that anymore that's not how it works yeah, yeah. or even like most of us had to to relearn healthy nutrition and eating mm-hmm. right like we had this food pyramid mm-hmm. with like 10 servings of grain at the bottom and then <laughs> fruits and vegetables and all these different things and now we're learning like no, like Yeah, have car- you ever tried to follow the food pyramid? <laughs> know, right? I'm like full half half of the day. <laughs> so yeah. you can't cram that totally. much food into you. But now we like have learned new things and like carbs are actually not great if you have hundreds of them in, in a day and yeah. your body treats it the same as sugar. All that kind of stuff. Like we do that with a lot of things in life where we need to deconstruct mm. what we once thought and mm. kind of reconstruct healthier ways of thinking about things. So it's not something unique to the faith and it's really pretty normal um, with a lot of things. Uh, When I think about the Christian faith too, I think um, deconstruction is probably a term that has become more popular over the last five to 10 years, Mm -hmm. right? Especially over the last five, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of really um, sometimes controversial, but prominent stories in the news of people who are, who are undertaking this. And the the term has been around a lot longer than that, but um, I mean, Michael, you were saying this, like Thomas went through it. People, yeah. Like I think pr- probably just about everyone in the New Testament went yeah. through some sort of deconstruction or doubt. It was normal. It's been normal for thousands of years, but we didn't always call it deconstruction. We called it sanctification, maybe. <laughs> like just this process yeah. of growing and stripping away things and tearing down idols and, and reconstructing something healthier and a more mm-hmm. intimate walk with Jesus. So. Yeah. Uh, it's been around for for a long time, and and hopefully what you're you're hearing us say is uh, it's it's really normal. Any other uh, thoughts, you guys, to to add to that? That's good. Well, I just think it's interesting, real quick, that um, there was somewhere in the timeline of us following Jesus, we. Um, we branded or rebranded this idea of sanctification in a negative way to deconstruction. Mm. And um, I just think that's interesting to note that before it was just this kind of this, this walk that people would normally take in discipleship, which again was scary for different reasons because walls are coming down, but, but it was good because we were learning and growing closer, but then something shifted. And now I think a lot of people will popularly think it's a negative thing and something that is like, man, this is uncomfortable and kind of scary. It's been hijacked into you might lose your faith. And it goes from this topic of deconstruction to demolition. Yes. And I think it's important to separate those two out. Um, so I like yeah. to think it more like renovation, mm. right? So we're constantly renovating our, our homes, yeah. right? And so it's like a tear down and build up, a tear down and build up. And yeah. um, and you know, I've been watching HGTV uh, shows. Yes, that's <laughs> where I said it. House, yeah. <laughs> I, this guy's going to watch an HGTV show, just like renovate, deconstruct, renovate, and see what the new product is. I'm not, gonna, I'm not about to watch a demolition show where they just <laughs> tear, tear down a house <laughs> and they're like, all right, it's rubble. We're done. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so right. it's, that's good, Tiffany. <laughs>
Yeah, so you guys, whether um, in our own lives or in what we've seen in Christian culture around us, what do we think often sends someone on this journey of deconstruction? Um, and maybe you'll pull in aspects of your own story. I know we were going to talk about that in a little bit, but um, yeah, what, what have you guys seen? What are some, some things that tend to place people on this journey? You know, I think sometimes it is, they're, they're big things. They're things that, um, whether that be trauma or loss of relationship or a failure of a leader, um, that makes you begin to ask some questions. Um, but also I, I think that it sometimes starts really tiny. Mm. Um, I was reading when I was kind of working through some my own journey, I was reading this book called The Sin of Uncertainty by a Bible professor named Pete Enns. Um, and he was talking about his experience. And he said he was on a plane watching a movie, right? You like, you, you know, settle into your seat and, you know, start flipping through. And so he, he chose a Disney movie, right? Like innocent <laughs> Disney movie, kind of, you know, turning his brain half off. And something in that movie caught him off guard. Mm. And it was the beginning of the spiral for him that that really kind of brought him, you know, started asking these really, you know, deep and important questions. He was a Bible professor at the time, yeah. right? He had been his PhD, like he taught college students about, um, walked with them through wrestling, but yeah. but something in this Disney movie, he just, his guard was down and it and it started. So, so I think that oftentimes um, it can be these small experiences that we don't, really expect and don't see coming. Well, I want to know what Disney movie, because if it was like a Disney plus show, like WandaVision, I'm tracking Pete. But if it's Snow White, yeah. let's have a conversation. I, I, I think it was um, Bridge to Terabithia. I don't know if you guys ever Never seen, seen it. it. It's, mm. a, it's a tearjerker. Okay. Uh-huh, so. I'll add that to the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, yeah. That's a, that's a great question, Chris. You know, a, a few things that come to mind, um, one is just, I'll, I'll say one professional and one personal. Professional, I, I work with college age people, um, 18 to 25, and a good majority are college students. And this, this conversation of deconstruction is one that I honestly have a lot with, with college students. And for college students, typically, and this is, I'm just generalizing right now, College students will be raised with a set of beliefs. And let's just say for this conversation that these beliefs are towards Christian faith. Their church, their parents uh, will kind of instill with them, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. And then students will go to, let's say, UW-Madison, Edwards College, MATC or whatever. And a lot of these, these this like set of beliefs will be challenged, mm-hmm. whether by uh, professors, classrooms, um, stud- like fellow students, and then so in ways that they've never experienced before. So before, perhaps everyone kind of believed around what they are believing, and now they kind of feel like a fish out of water. And so this, this conversation then begins in these students of like, okay, well, did I be- what I believed, is that even true? And there's just this really, this idea of deconstruction in them. They might feel like it's a demolition and their world spinning and they don't know what to do. And so there's this real idea or real um, situation of deconstruction that honestly I see with students all the time. It's it's probably the number one conversation I have with college students. Yeah. Um, 
So I see it in one of the things that I tell students when we're having this conversation is that, hey, just want to pause right now. What you are going through is not only normal, but it's good. And they would be really confused. Like a breath of fresh air, like, oh, it's normal. And then what do you mean by good? And often I'll say that it's good because you are taking your faith serious. Again, going back to the house metaphor, you want to live in this house. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, you want to make sure that the foundation's good. No one wants to live in a house with a bad foundation because you don't know when the house is going to be crashing down. So we'll have that conversation. So I'll see deconstruction in, I say professional, you know, because that's my job Mm -hmm. and it's what I just love to do uh, to just navigate life questions um, uh, around faith with college students. But then personally, man, for me, and I'm sure probably for both of you and hopefully, well, maybe for a lot of the listeners, deconstruction isn't just a one-time thing, but a process that you live through that happens in multiple different ways and multiple different things. So when I went to seminary, I was really, really excited. I went to Fuller Seminary in California. Uh, I went to California mostly because I wanted to surf and read the Bible, which sounded (laughs) awesome. Um, And it was. But uh, when I went there, man, uh, Fuller is kind of a multi-denominational seminary where professors and students come from multiple different faith backgrounds. So most things in a way um, are challenged. It's kind of like ironing, char- iron sharpening iron. And I think most of the the foundational, the majors and the minors that I brought in, t- in with me to seminary were, were challenged. And that was really, 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 really tough for me. Um, but also that just outside of seminary, like I've personally had different areas of deconstruction my whole life. I remember um, one of my kind of earliest faith deconstruction journey memories. I think I was like eight and I was lying in bed and then just a thought hit me like, what if all of this is not true? What if there isn't a God? What, I mean, I can't prove that there is a God and my head went spinning and I'm like, what if like there is no resurrection and it's just done. And I like sat up in my bed, I paced my room, my heart was pounding. I'm like, what in the world? You know, and, and I want to say that that was the only time that that happened, but I'm in my mid thirties and that still happens to me. The panic might not be as severe as when I was eight, mm. but those deep questions of doubt and deconstruction are very real to me today. Um, and I've learned how to just process that through prayer, community, but but I don't see that going away. And I think that's that's the reality of faith. You know, I love what Chris said um, in the, the last time he talked that faith is region, reason gone courageous. Mm-hmm. Um, there's room for doubt in that. So yeah, that's so helpful. That might not come to as good news if you're listening and like you're maybe coming out of a season of deconstruction and you've reconstructed something uh, and to hear that you might go go through this multiple mm-hmm. times but I think that's really true I've, I've heard that from a lot of faithful Christians it's probably been true my own journey um, because there's multiple things that trigger it right like you might go through it in college and you work through the theological biblical questions that that are hitting you in that moment but then later some kind of suffering or trauma comes about and you're right back in that place of like, why would a good God allow this yeah. to happen to me? Yeah. Um, or recently, like in our own culture, there's all sorts of things that I think are leading people 
um, into a process like this, whether it's kind of the political environment that we see around us and how Christians are engaging with that, um, or, or things revolving around race or sexuality, or even just like we see hypocrisy or mm, people are mm-hmm. hurt by churches and it makes us just want to be like, is any of this real? Do I want to, do I want to be a part of something mm-hmm. that could, yeah. could participate in these things? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's also really important just to identify what we're deconstructing. Yeah. Are we, are we deconstructing the historic Christian faith or, um, if we're frustrated with uh, just kind of what we see around us, are we deconstructing something else? Are we deconstructing a certain brand of Christianity or a certain denomination? Um, I think, yeah, it's possible and, and probable that all of our brands, all of our domina- mm-hmm. denominations need to be um, reformed. They, they need to be reconstructed and deconstructed and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, we might find that we're, we're not deconstructing Jesus himself. We actually mm-hmm. want to to cling mm-hmm. to him. So what are we deconstructing um, is really important to identify as we enter into this process. It's good. I think that, do you feel like sometimes, um, you know, I think all of, you know, all of us who've been in church for different amounts of time, we, um, we build an understanding of who Jesus was, like maybe different teachers. Um, I, I've, we've been a part of different kind of denominations and stuff. Um, we've moved around a lot as a family. Um, and, it's interesting uh, how Jesus kind of changes depending mm. on what church you go to, what what yeah. is emphasized about his character, about how he lived, um, what's parts, you know, you kind of ignore. And so I do think that it's so important to, um, like you said, Chris, to just like cling to Jesus. And I think sometimes it does take the, some questions of like, why do I believe this about Jesus? Like, how do I, how do I know this is who He is? And to be able to go back to the source itself, the, you know, scriptures to mm-hmm. to really um, begin to examine that with community, not just on our own, but you know, with a community that we trust. So as you're listening, you might notice us using this language of deconstruction, maybe being a season or a stage that people go through or that we went through. Uh, And that's intentional on our part because I think each of us goes through seasons or stages of faith, whether we recognize it or not. Um, So I want to talk about that for for just a moment, and it'll take me a couple minutes to kind of to to work through this, but then I want want to discuss this. Um, part of why we, again, wanted to have this conversation was to, to normalize the fact that people have gone through these kinds of th- seasons for thousands of years. Um, so if you're in a season of doubt or deconstruction right now, you're definitely not, not alone. Um, there's a scholar by the name of Walter Brueggemann who writes that the authors of the Psalms go through three main seasons or stages. Well, you can kind of, kind of see that in, in various different Psalms. And here are the the stages that he talks about. There are Psalms of orientation or kind of an initial coming to faith. Um, There's disorientation uh, or seasons of confusion or doubt or disillusionment with that original faith, uh, maybe due to suffering or a difficult experience in the church. And third, there's reorientation. So God willing, a reconstruction toward a truer, healthier, more intimate relationship with God uh, and practice of one's faith. Or similarly, another paradigm I've heard uses four different stages. Uh, One is simplicity, where everything is pretty black and white when we first come to Jesus. We indiscriminately believe and put into place everything that we're taught. 
But then eventually we enter into complexity, mm. this realization that life is complicated. It's not always black and white. There are hard things we have to wrestle through with our faith and we have questions of God. And then third, that can lead to perplexity of feeling disoriented, maybe just wanting to burn it all down, like mm. do away with it all together. And then there's this, this leap that needs to happen finally to the fourth one, which is harmony, where we work through all of that stuff that we've been through toward a healthier, more vibrant faith that doesn't just accept easy answers, um, but comes on the other side, more fully trusting God and loving others well. It's a really healthy kind of faith. Um, so does any of that resonate with you guys in your experience of faith? How have you experienced any seasons or, or stages like that? Um, or maybe just feel free to talk about kind of your own journeys of, of deconstruction. I want to spend some time pressing into that a little bit more. So yeah, any reactions to that? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's good. Um, I, I love the different classifications for, um, the stages of deconstruction that are out there. These are, you just went over two really good ones, not to confuse the listeners, but there's, uh, one that I have, I have yeah. used that's been really helpful. Um, these are really helpful. The one, one that I used is order, uh, disorder and reorder. I think it's cause I really like order. <laughs> I mean, I'm the kind of guy, if you go into my house, my bookshelf is color coordinated. So, but we don't have to talk about that right now. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, this idea of of it, going back to what I was talking about that I'll navigate with with college students, there's this idea of you have order. This is the way faith works. And a lot of that is just trusting your pastor, your youth pastor, your parents or whomever is just kind of the people in authority that you have allowed to speak into what order could be. So, and then typically you'll go into a season for college students, then you'll go to college where that's challenged, whether it's by professors or peers or yourself. And so what happens is then it'll be a season of disorder where the order that you once had is now disordered and there's chaos, there's complexity, there's um, confusion. And, and then the third stage is reorder. Now, in my life, when I go through different areas of deconstruction and with different people that I, I'll, I'll kind of navigate with and talk with, um, there are a few things that I'll say. One, when you go from order to one, these three stages are normal. They're really, really, really healthy, um, even though they can be really, really hard and scary. Um, but when you go from order to, to disorder, that's normal. That's, again, I think you are trying to say, is this house worth living in? And you're trying to check the foundation, the structure, and the bones of your house. Um, but then the thing that I'll say is that while it's healthy to be there, we're actually not supposed to stay there. And it, and there's not really a timeline for how long, you know, it's healthy to be there, but we're not meant to stay in this area of disorder or disorientation or complexity or perplexity, but we're actually, you know, the healthy transition is then to move into reorder, which when you look back to order, order and reorder, I mean, you, there is a sense of order, but they look different. Yeah. You've learned different things about faith and you've reordered it in a way that you're like, I get it. Mm. And um, your reorder might look different than other people's reorder. But um, if you've done it, hopefully in, a, in an orthodox way, it aligns with what scripture is saying, but it's in a way that, man, 
I can grab onto it. I can sink my teeth into it. It, it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like so. If we use um, uh, your kind of kind of stages, the first one was order, yeah, right? Order. And then the last one was reorder. It's not that reorder is necessarily like people that have gone through reorder aren't necessarily better than mm. people who are just entering into the order phase of things. But um, I think when we go through a process like that, it does uh, have presents an opportunity for us to grow closer to Jesus and have a healthier, more vibrant faith. And so doubt or deconstruction isn't just something to survive, but it's actually something that God can use in our lives to propel us toward growth and, mm. and toward him. Yep. And without it, um, it's kind of like suffering as much as we don't like to, to talk about that idea that um, God uses these things in our lives to propel us toward him in, in ways that otherwise wouldn't be possible. Um, there, I forget who it is, but there's a, again, an author that, that says doubt is the ants in the pants of faith that keeps it alive <laughs> and moving, which Frederick I just- Buchner. I think it's Buchner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh-huh. Which I just, I love because it's, again, it's not something to survive, but mm-hmm. it's actually an opportunity to draw, to draw closer that. to God. That's really great. Um, sometimes when I think about journey of faith, I, I, I love that we're all kind of bringing these different like uh, structures, yeah. a way of understanding it. Yeah. Um, one of the, for me personally, one of the, the things that was really helpful, um, there's this book called The Critical Journey. So it uses um, James Fowler's uh-huh. Stages of Faith, uh, which is kind of more universal and it contextualizes it for um, just kind of the Christian faith. And so um, this is what, when I was kind of going through my thing, I had met with a, a spiritual director. And so this is kind of how she, you know, kind of walked me through some of these things. And and so like beginning, right, like you, you, you come to know God, you're super excited, everything is new and fresh. And then, you know, you're going to grow you're gonna mm. like your this this heart of discipleship. Like, going, I want to eat everything up. I want to read. I want to listen. Wow, this is crazy. I'm so excited about what I'm learning. And then we start to realize we have gifts. And then we're like, ah, I can do things for God. And you know, I can serve and I can lead. And we're like, wow. And then, but there often comes a time when. Um, when a lot of that doing, like some of that learning and that doing starts kind of wearing off and you begin to question like, wait, what is all this for? Mm. Like, um, I'm learning and I'm doing, but, and you know, and so oftentimes like they would say, um, that there's maybe this, the wall is, is mm-hmm. this thing, um, right? Where you, you, you realize that kind of you're at the end of yourself. Um, and so it's, it's often, you know, and I, I think the wall can look really different for a lot of us. And, um, and so I'm sure that we all have different ways of, of, you know, talking about that. But, um, and my spiritual director was saying that, um, actually most people kind of go back to their old way. Like it's Mm. really, it's hard work and it takes time and you can't rush it. And you're kind of like depending on God and waiting on God, but you don't know how long it's going to take. I know even some people will look at uh, Mother Teresa and they'll, you know, read her journals and they'll be able to identify, oh, she hit a wall and she was being so faithful to continue waiting on God. Um, uh, but, but yeah, you know, to like, how do you get through that? And so, and then on the other side of the wall, right, there's these, you're kind of, maybe life looks pretty similar, but actually you're doing it from a place that, that is centered in a different space. And, um, it's less about earning, but you're learning to be with God. And, um, so I think that has been really helpful that has kind of mapped on my journey. Um, so that's a helpful way that, um, the book is kind of rough to read, so I don't really necessarily recommend (laughs) it. It's kind of boring to be honest, but, um, but, but that's another tool for people as they're trying to make sense of their story. Yeah. 
So you guys, we just mentioned what four different <laughs> paradigms. I know we're making yeah. it real, real easy for everyone listening. Well, yeah, which well, and they're all pretty similar, but there, there are actually like tens of hundreds of these. Yeah. So yeah. all that to say again, like. <laughs> It's normal. Yeah. There's been yeah. a lot of yeah. writing and people yeah. who have, have studied this mm-hmm. and, and gone through it. So um, hopefully that helps oh, just yeah. to like be like, yep, I am in a season like that. <laughs> and it's it's a normal part of life, which is why we bring it up, I think. Yeah. And I also want to say that, you know, as much as in my life, I want this um, season of dis- uh, order, disorder, reorder, this season of um, deconstruction to just be like, oh, there's this area of faith that I'm deconstructing and oh, okay, it's reordered and it's done. No, in that area, it can go through this mm-hmm. process over and over and over again. And there's there's seasons in my life where I'm like, I thought I've already gone mm-hmm. through this, but now it's just like at a different angle. Yeah. And, and man, I, so I just can't help uh, but think of uh, the... Uh, illustration or metaphor of a house because that's my life right now. So when I um, put an offer on this on this house, I didn't notice, and then it was accepted. And then I got the walkthrough, like, oh, it's my house. I noticed in the upstairs bathroom between the toilet and the bathtub that there's just there was water dripping for years, oh, no. and it looked like a little rot. So I'm like, okay, well, I could keep it there, or I could get someone in to look at it. And I thought, you know what? it's probably not the best for the foundation for that rot to continue to be there. Let's get someone to look at it. Someone looked at it. They worked at it. And I thought, oh, just a couple hours, uh, paying this guy by hours, uh, by the hour. 16 and a half hours later, that drip uh, and that rot, actually when the tile was uncovered, the entire floor was rotten. Mm. And this guy had to, this contractor had to tear it out clean everything, grind it down to the foundation Mm -hmm. and then rebuild on Mm -hmm. top of it, this new plywood. And then he just kind of left me and he's like, all right, I'm done. And I'm like, but it's just wood. I need tile. The the toilet's not there. The vanity's (laughs) not there. Like I have to get a new, I don't know how to do any of this. And he's like, well, you can pay me more and I can do it or you can do it yourself. And I thought, uh, you know, I have a lot of projects. I'll try to do this myself. This is a long story. I think it'll go somewhere helpful when I'm done. But um, <laughs> so I have been in this week, two week long process of retiling my bathroom. And I don't even know what to do with the toilet and stuff. People listening right now, just pray for me. If you know what you're, you know how to do it, that's great. I know I'm learning. But, but one of my neighbors that goes to Blackhawk, they know how to tile and they brought their tiler over. They've been helping me cut tile. They've been showing me this process. And it's, I thought it was honestly gonna be a half a day and it's done, but it's been a week and a half and it's nearing the finish just for the tile. But um, the point I'm getting at with this is that there are different areas in our lives and in our faith where we might see something and we're like, ah, I don't know about that. It looks like there could be some work that needs to be done. And then we can pull the tile off. We can pull these things off and see like, oh, there's a lot more under there that I'm not sure about. And then we can work and we can work and it can be hard and overwhelming. I am not your fix it up guy. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Um, and But I knew, I know that the process needed to be done. This, mm-hmm. this bathroom floor, I need good foundation. It needs to be a healthy place to live. And the interesting part of this process is that I can't do it on my own. Mm-hmm. I need my neighbors to help me. I need their skills and I need them to say, I've done it before. I've been here before. You're going to be okay, which has really, really, really been helpful Mm -hmm. for me. Um, I'm a guy that around these things, I get a lot of anxiety. So um, 
the process that we're three fourths of the way done, they're still helping me. And I can already see that the bathroom is going to be honestly better than it was before with the help of community. And, and for me, it was just taking the courageous step of, of saying, and I'm not saying courageous to pat myself on the back, but really, cause I kind of wanted to just live in the rot <laughs> <laughs> to say, this isn't good. I want this to be changed. It needs to be changed. It's healthy for it to be changed. I don't know what to do. It's kind of scary. I'm going to go in and I'm going to get people to help me and we're going to journey together and the end product will be different than where it started, but hopefully better and mm. something more livable. Um, so I don't know what that's started good. me on that tangent, but no, <laughs> I think it's applicable the nature to of this yeah. journey of, yeah. of people's experience for sure. Yeah, we, yeah. we need people. Like, I think we'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, no one deconstructs in a vacuum and mm. the people and the community around us as we go through this is going to play a huge role in the type of beliefs and the type of person that will will be um, as we reconstruct, as we, as we go through this process. So um, it's really helpful to have faithful people around us who can help carry us through this season. All right, we're going to pause the conversation there for today. Join us next week as we continue with part two and share more of our stories of deconstruction. Have a great week.